Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Thank you to everybody uh, who's been a part of the service so far today. Um, You've touched my heart, and now let's talk to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hearts. We affirm that we're here because we want to meet you. We want to know you. We want to deepen our relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would get Ken Wetmore out of the way, and that you would take center of this platform to speak, and that it would be your words and your message. And if there's anything that I prepare that you don't want me to say, strike it. And if there's something I didn't put in, add it. Give each person here the ears to hear what you have to say, we pray in your name. Amen. So this is the penultimate sermon in the series, Follow Me. Don't worry, we're going to be talking about Follow Me all the rest of this year, but this is the series where we kind of launch everything. And last week, we had a a sermon called The Cost, part one, and this week is part two. And in part one, if you weren't here for it, we basically talked about the fact that there is a cost to following Jesus. Jesus never shied away from it, and neither should we. We shouldn't pretend like it's not expensive, It doesn't cost something to follow Jesus because it does. Jesus said so himself. And so we're being a little disingenuous when we act like there is no cost. There is a cost. And what we decided last week was that the cost was really comes down to two words. And it's these two words, Jesus first. And at first glance, that may seem simple. And yet for anybody who's tried to live it, you know how hard it is. When you try to put Jesus first it gets difficult very quickly. And when you start giving permission to Jesus to be first, you start discovering how many things are above him that you didn't realize because he starts pointing them out and it gets a little painful. And so I said at the end of last week's sermon, what happens when the cost is too high? What happens when we don't put Jesus first? What then? Are we doomed? So what I want to do is get into that a little bit with you. And thank you, Inez, for bringing us our, our, uh, our scripture. Fantastic. Appreciate that so much. And I want to go over that with you again. I want to go over this, this particular passage because this is maybe the classic example out of the Gospels of somebody who blew it. And we've made this guy a villain because he really messed up. So let's, let's take a look at his story again. Luke 18. Starting in verse 18. And I'm going to, I'll be adding some words in here. This is, I'll be paraphrasing a little bit. That's, that's the actual version on the, on the screen behind me, right? A ruler came to Jesus, said, good teacher, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus said, well, you know what the rules are. Yeah, you know them. You know what they are. You know, keep the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. I, your father and mother. You know, those things. The ruler said, good news, buddy. 
I've been doing that. I've done that since I was a kid. And Jesus looked at him. And in Luke, Luke doesn't add something that Mark does. And I want to add what Mark had to say in here. The Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. I think that's kind of a little bit important because when Luke tells it, you're like, okay, maybe Jesus was a little annoyed. Maybe Jesus was like, well, yeah, you think you're so good. No, Jesus looked at him and goes, yeah, you're right. You have been doing those things. Good job. I love you. you you're awesome. I love you. He looked at this man with a deep affection. And he says to him, okay, you're doing good, but there is one thing you're missing. I want you to sell everything you own. I want you to give it to the poor. And then I want you to come follow me. And your treasure is going to be in heaven, not here on earth. Now, when the man heard that, he became very sad. And he was, because he was extremely wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that theologians have spilled a lot of ink over the years to trying to debate what that eye of the needle is. We're not going to do it here. Can we just disagree? It's really hard. Okay? Can we do Whatever the eye of the needle, it's really hard. Okay? Really hard. And those who heard him said, and so who can be saved since it's really hard? And Jesus said, it's impossible with people. But with God, everything is possible. So for most of our, uh, you know, as long as we've been telling this story in Christian circles, we have a villain, right? The guy who didn't do what he should have done, right? Man, he blew it. And he walked away sad, and that's where we leave him. He walked away sad, probably lost, probably going to hell. Oh, now we're feeling a little uncomfortable. Okay, I said it out, I said out loud what a lot of you have had in your gut for a while, right? Yeah. Because this guy blew it. I mean, he was, I mean, he had the chance. Follow Jesus. I mean, who in this room wouldn't have done it? I mean, we'd have followed Jesus. We know who Jesus is. We would have done it. You know, Jesus has a way of asking the thing that matters the most to you. He has a way of doing it. And it's not just in this story. It is a biblical theme. What was the one thing that Adam and Eve really wanted? They wanted to have knowledge that only God had. And God said, you don't get to have that. And they said, well, we're going to get it anyway. Or maybe there's, you know, Abraham who has this son that's everything to him. And God says, I want that son. When Abraham actually does it, now we tend to forget he really blew it many times before he got to that point. We'll come back to that later. What about God asking, let's go ahead and talk about a lady named Rahab. We'll go ahead and say, oh, God asked her to give up prostitution. That wasn't hard. But you know what he also asked God to do? He asked her actually to change her ethnicity to, because she had to give up her people and become a part of the Israelites. That, that's not small. That's not a small thing. And speaking of prostitutes, God asked Hosea to marry a prostitute. Now, that's a big ask. <laughs> Right? And if you want to get an even bigger ask, he didn't ask, ask Hosea to, to marry a repentant prostitute. 
And the fact of the matter is that the names uh, that Hosea names his children let us know that Hosea knew those kids were probably not his. Even though they were his kids. You follow me? God has a way of asking for some kind of big things. He has a way of asking for the thing that really could matter a lot to us. He asked Matthew to leave a lucrative career. He asked Peter to be martyred. And when Peter looks behind, goes, well, what about that guy back there? (laughs) Jesus says, don't you worry about him. Just you follow me. So can we just admit that God has a way, Jesus has a way of asking for the thing that kind of is the thing that matters the most to us. Can we also take a minute to admit that we don't do such a great job with even the things that matter less to us? Can we just all admit that there are a lot of things in our lives that aren't a top priority that we still put above Jesus? I'm not asking you to tell me what they are, but you know what they are. You knew what they were this last week. You might know what they were this morning. It's easy to focus on the big stuff and kind of pat ourselves when we do something big, but there's a lot of small things that we blow every day, right? So does that mean we're doomed because we don't put Jesus first? And what do we do about it if we're not putting Jesus first? How can we change that? Is there anything we can do to change that? Now, as Christina or Cozy, and, uh, and Craig pointed out, I said I was going to give away some money today. So in order to get money, you're going to have to come up front, though. <laughs> Anybody want some money? You can raise your hand if you, no, wow, this is like nobody, nobody, no, no, you sit down. There, I'm, yeah, I'm, you already get a paycheck from this church. You, you, get, you stay right where you're at. Newman, come on up. All right. This is Numa. If you don't know Numa, Numa, we're going to give you a microphone so you can uh, be heard. So okay. you're going to you're going to mess me up a little because last time the person was on their side. You can get a little closer. I promise. <laughs> this will not be too bad. All right. All right. So Numa. Yes. I really like what's I like that. That's Just beautiful. Just flowers. Just huh? Just a flower. It's called fashion. Thank you. All right. <laughs> So, I would like to propose a trade with you. I will trade you this penny for that. What do you say? It's worth more than this penny. It's worth more than a penny. That's right. Okay. So, I guess then getting your engagement ring would be out of the question in in changing exchanging for the penny. Definitely out of the question. Out of the question. Okay. So, what would you trade me for a penny? Nothing, at least. Nothing? Nothing. So are we done here? We're done. You're going to walk away sad? I sure am. Or happy, you think, right? Okay. <laughs> would, it change your mind, would, you, would it change your mind if you looked at the penny for a second, do you think? Sure. You want to look at it? Why not? You like to hold it? Does that change your mind at all? You're seeing what she's seeing up on the screen. Not at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. I still couldn't get... Not at all. No. 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 Why not? It's worth a lot more than a penny. Are you sure about that? I sure do. Do you know, do you know coins? 
this is only. I'm sorry? Should I? I'm not changing my mind. You're not going to change your mind? No. Okay. All right. Well, would you like any more information about the coin? Or are you done with me? Tell me more about the, um, the you, coin. You'd like yeah. to know a little bit more about the coin? Okay. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you see the year on that coin? I need my glasses. I don't have my glasses. Look up on the screen. Oh, 1943. Yeah. That was a lot of money. What? It was a lot of money. Is it worth a lot of money? Yeah. It could be, couldn't it? Yeah. So what do you, do you know anything about 1943 pennies? No. Would you like me to tell you a little bit about them? Sure. Okay. So in 1943, um, the United States was at war. And they were trying to conserve copper because that was something they needed for the war effort. And so they quit making pennies out of copper that year. Instead, they, they started making them out of steel. However, right as they were making the transition, a few, and by a few, I mean less than maybe 100, coins were made that were copper. 1943 pennies that are copper. So they're incredibly rare, um, but they're out there. Not to mention that these are steel pennies, and so they're unique um, in that the U.S. changed back after a couple years from doing that. So, if you had a copper penny, would you like to guess how much it might be? And by the way, I'm going to take it back from you right at this moment. <laughs> yes, I would. So, does this change anything for you in our conversation? Yes. So, at this point, what would you trade me for the penny? I'll give you my brush. You give me the brush. Okay. Okay. So you give that. What about the wedding band? Uh, no. Remember, God asked for a lot, right? <laughs> it's a metaphor. So would you, would you trade the wedding band? Maybe. So you're saying, you're saying you would need a little bit more information. Yes. For that. The brooch is a for, a for sure thing. That's right. Okay. So if I told you this was a copper penny, and I told you that copper pennies usually sell for a minimum of six figures. <laughs> I can't, I can't. <laughs> I can't take it off. <laughs> Go ahead and let's leave it. Let, uh, <laughs> So, so, Numa, one of the things you have to ask yourself is why a Seventh-day Adventist pastor would have a six-figure <laughs> penny. <laughs> you, uh, you may seriously overestimate my, uh, my ability to have expensive things. Um, so, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I think you may have made my point. I can just sit down and say amen. That's right. um, so, Numa, how would you tell whether this was a... a copper penny or steel penny, because by the way, the difference is in a in really good, super good condition, a steel penny is going to be worth maybe 25 cents. So it's, it's worth more than a penny, but it's only going to be about worth 25 cents. The copper penny, like I said, you, is going to start probably about $100,000. I think the most expensive one I read about was about $1.5 million for a, co a copper um, penny, if I recall correctly. So how can you tell whether that's a copper penny or a steel penny? I'm not sure. I'll give you the easy answer, because mm -hmm. we're running out of time. The easy answer is a magnet. Okay. Copper's not going to stick to a magnet. Okay. You want to try? Yeah. You want to see? see what happens? So that penny sticks 
to that magnet. So what we've got here is worth about 15 cents. So I'm guessing I'm going back to not getting your brooch anymore. Yeah. And definitely not the wedding definitely band. Definitely not, not my yeah, ring. So fair enough. Um, but how did you find out the information about this penny? You just saw me. You had to hang out with me to know. Yeah. You're, you would have had to hang out with somebody, or you would need to get Google and do a little bit of your own right. research. But you would have had to research to find out what it's worth. But for being a good sport, I want to give this to you for nothing <laughs> besides being up here. Enjoy your 1943 steel penny. All Put right. it on your refrigerator. Thank you for coming up. You did a great job. Thank you so much. Jeff will help you. Yeah. Family. You follow the metaphor, right? You will only give up when you think you've got something that's worth more. Did you see how quick Numa was to take off a wedding band <laughs> for six figures? Now, we, we all know that a wedding band is very precious has huge significance in our life, carries important things. But we also know that with, you know, 150000 to $1.5 million, that can be some life-changing money, right? And so it all becomes whether it's replaceable or not and whether it's worth it. And so what I want to suggest to you is that if you want to put Jesus first, you have to know what Jesus is worth, And I want to suggest to you that that isn't something that just happens. I want to suggest to you that rich young ruler had an idea of what Jesus was worth, but maybe he hadn't spent a lot of time with him up to that point. Maybe he didn't know Jesus super well. And when Jesus made the big ask, Jesus was actually putting him on the spot and saying, look, I'm telling you what I'm worth. What do you think? What do you think? I'd like to suggest to each one of you out there, you will probably never sacrifice more for Jesus than you think that Jesus is worth. If you think that Jesus can add value to your life, it will change what you're willing to put him first in. So what, how do we do that? Well, there's a couple of scriptures I'm going to skip through. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure hidden in the field. He talks about a costly pearl that people sold everything for. You just saw Numa act that out here on stage for you, right? If you think something's worth a lot, you're willing to do it. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like that. So family, what changes things? It's knowing Jesus. You know, I've often wondered what happened to that rich young ruler. They said, some of us have condemned him to hell. Some of us have said, you know, that was it. But I know of two people in the Bible that are similar to him. A guy named Nicodemus that you can find in John chapter three, and a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. Now, let's talk about, let's talk about Nicodemus first. In John chapter three, Jesus says some of the most beautiful words he ever said to any human being in John chapter three to Nicodemus. And if, you've, uh, if you're a big fan of the, the Chosen, which is a TV series about Jesus that I'm a huge fan, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it and watch it, it's incredible. And if you, you know, in that series, they go ahead and set up Nicodemus. When Jesus has that, that conversation that's found in John chapter three with Nicodemus, at the end of it, in the chosen, Jesus actually says, come follow me to Nicodemus. That's not recorded 
in John chapter 3. So that's the holy imagination going to work there. However, I would suggest to you that the evidence is abundant in John chapter 3 that that's exactly what Jesus was doing to Nicodemus. He was saying, come follow me. And the evidence is abundant that Nicodemus did not. In the show, he doesn't. He can't give it up at that point. He doesn't do it. And yet later on, when Jesus is crucified, who shows up? Nicodemus. And who shows up? Another rich ruler named Joseph of Arimathea. His story is right there on the screen behind me. He comes and asks for Jesus' body at the worst possible time for a follower to come and acknowledge being with Jesus. This is where Jesus looks like he's failed. And that's the moment that Joseph chooses to come out and say, I'm with this guy. All the other disciples, by the way, who gave up everything to follow Jesus had deserted Jesus. And two guys who hadn't been willing to give everything up suddenly come forward at that point. Now, we know a couple things about Joseph Arimathea. We know he was a ruler. We can see it on the screen there because it says he didn't consent to what happened. It meant that Joseph was on the Sanhedrin. Another thing that we know about him is that he was rich because he had his own expensive tomb. A rock-cut tomb was not for the average person in Jesus' day. He was rich. In my holy imagination, I asked myself, was he young? Oh, some of you got where I'm going with that. There's absolutely no evidence in the Bible to support my feeling, but there's a part of me that really wonders if Joseph of Arimathea was the rich young ruler. I think it's possible. I think it's possible that this rich ruler who had not been willing to sell everything, this guy who had not followed Jesus everywhere at this point realizes what Jesus is worth after he's died and says, I'm with this guy. I say this to you because I think it's really important for us to realize that we serve a God who doesn't give up on us when we give up on him. The real question that's involved when it comes to Jesus first is not whether you're going to put Jesus first all the time because you will not. You will make mistakes. It will happen and it will happen over and over. And sometimes you will be humiliated at how badly you mess up. Peter was. denied Jesus three times after saying, I'm not going to do anything like that. You will mess up. It's a given. The question is whether you believe that Jesus wants you to come back and that he will give you another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. The question isn't whether Jesus gives up on you. It's whether you give up on discovering Jesus' worth. It's whether you give up on knowing what Jesus has to offer, whether you give up on that relationship with him. So how can you develop a sense of what Jesus is worth? I love this verse in Psalms chapter 34, verse eight. I'm a big fan of cooking shows. I know it's weird, but it's me. I love it. I love cooking shows. Any cooking show, I've had people try to stump me and say, have you seen it? I have seen it. Yes, I have. I love cooking shows. And the one thing that I can tell you from cooking show to cooking show is this. The judges will tell the contestants every time, did you taste it? Did you taste it before you put on the plate? Before you brought it, did you taste it? 
Did you taste it? My question to you is, are you tasting who Jesus is? Are you seeing how good he is? Are you experiencing him? Because the more information that you get, like with Numa and I, the more information you get, the more you're like, I'm in. I'm in. Oh yeah, oh, you, you want the, I'm not gonna give you the, oh wait, no, I'm willing to give you the wedding band because I've gotten to know what you're worth. But the only way is to be in relationship, to taste and see, to take refuge in him. Unless you think that you can get it all figured out yourself, I take you back to the words that Jesus said at the end of that encounter with that rich young ruler. For you and I, it is impossible to put Jesus first. It just, it, it's not just a rich person thing. It's a middle class, it's a poor, it's, it doesn't matter. It is impossible for us as human beings to understand God's worth and to get it right. But I've got good news. It is God working in you that makes all things possible. And if you want to know what God's worth is, then I invite you to join me in this prayer that I am going to pray to close off this sermon. These words come from Christ Objects Lesson written by Ellen White page 159, if you want to look it up for yourself another time. I'd invite you to bow your heads if you want to pray this prayer with me. You do not need to say these words out loud, but I invite you in your mind to repeat them after me in your mind if it is your prayer along with me. Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. It is thy property. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can flow through my soul. Amen. Thank you so much for being a part of our family today. Um, if this is your first time visiting us with us, Thank you so much. We would hope that you would uh, know that you have a family here if this is the right place for you. Uh, we would love for you to be a part of our family. Um, I also want to mention that uh, oftentimes after our worship, uh, if we have some time, we'll do some question and answer from you. Um, today we ran out of time, but if you have questions, you can always go online uh, and submit those questions. And we talk about them during our podcast that we do. Um, every week. And speaking of our podcast, um, a couple weeks ago, we had a friend of mine, Furman Fordham, come and be a guest speaker. And during our podcast, we had a great podcast, but at the end of that podcast, um, I wanted to kind of do something special with him and just have a conversation about racism in America. Uh, Furman is uh, African-American. I'm obviously, yeah, not. Thank you. Um, and so what I wanted to do, we're, we're really good friends. And so I just wanted to sh show have a conversation and model what I think the right way to talk about race um, across color lines would look like. Um, I'd love for you to judge for yourself what it looks like and whether it was good or not good. Um, and that's on our podcast. You can go there. It's the one that's titled Racism that came out a week ago Friday. Um, I'd love for you to listen to it. And uh, if you have thoughts, we're always open to hearing them. Um, but uh, the podcast is a pretty great place to go. We expand on what we've talked about. Um, it, 
And uh, so we'd love for you to be a part of that. Let's go ahead and bow our heads as we close. Heavenly Father, we love you very much. Jesus, thank you for your blood. And Holy Spirit, thank you for working in our hearts to transform us each day. Help us not to give up on ourselves when you haven't given up on us. We pray in your name. Amen. I love you all. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.